Uh, but again, thank you for joining us, uh, joining us for one more week. Uh, last week, we spoke a lot about salvation, how we get to heaven. So we decided to stay on the topic of life after death. Uh, specifically, we'll be talking about the person who's trying to keep us from heaven, and that is the devil. Um, if you have a question about life after death, death, uh, you know, about the devil himself, um, please feel free to ask them. If you're watching on Facebook, you can leave your question in the comments below, uh, or you can text in your questions to 516-908-2234. Again, text your questions to 516-908-2234. Um, I will put this out there. Unfortunately, we don't have the capabilities at this time uh, to take calls or to, uh, to play the voicemails right now. So if you have a question, text it in. Uh, but again, we are going to be talking about life after death again, uh, maybe touch on purgatory for a little bit, but definitely we're going to be talking about the devil. I'm going to bring my co-host on. Sean, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing good, Lorenz. I'm excited to talk about this tonight. I think that, you know, like you said, following our conversations that we've had the last couple of weeks, I think it's very important that we, we take it to the devil, who, you know, is a very real person in the world, but who is very largely shaped, I think, um, you know, by, by popular conception. Um, I know, you know, a lot of people have an idea of him maybe based on things they've read in the past. Uh, a lot of it is just based on, um, you know, media uh, and, and movies and things like that. So I think, uh, you know, having, having the great minds here on the Beach Catholic podcast answer some questions about the devil and hopefully uh, clear up some misconceptions and uh, solidify some, some existing beliefs. Uh, we, can, we can all move forward a little bit more confidently in how to counter him in our own lives. Absolutely. Uh, and believe me, Sean and I, we have um, some great insight on the topic, but we know that you want to hear from some professionals as well. Uh, so we got a couple here. Obviously, we have Father Brian. How are you, Father? I'm great. How you doing? Doing really well. And uh, I know that you were kicking and screaming not to have him on again. Um, but again, he got great reception. So back, back to back weeks, we got Father James Hansen again. How are you, Father James? Uh, Lorenz, I'm just grateful that you guys invited me back. So thanks for having me. Of course. Um, again, I will, I will shut down the feed if we go into uh, some animosity like we did last <laughs> week. Um, but you know what, Father James, let's, let's jump right into it, right? We, we're talking about life after death. We're talking about the devil. He does exist. But the real question that might, some people might have is, you know, God is all powerful. Why would God allow the devil to exist in the place? Going all the way back to Genesis, essentially. Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and and you know, I think it's a question about existence itself. So God, we believe, is all good, and He creates everything, and everything He creates is good. Um, but within it, and even in the story of Genesis, we see that um, if He forced us to follow Him, I mean, think about times in life where you've been forced to do something. Like it's usually, it's usually got a negative connotation going with it. Like you know, it's with God, it's always an invitation, and so He creates all things good. And the devil was originally created good, and uh, but He rebelled. So in the free will that God gives us. Uh, you know, he created the devil good, but the, the devil rebelled. So that's what I would say to that. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Father James, yeah, excellent. I think free will is everything when it comes to the devil and understanding. And I think when we look back at something like Paradise Lost uh, might be like the popular, popular thing that people think of where God created this really, really good angel that turned against him. And that's how Lucifer turned into Satan. And he took all these angels with him. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll hand it over to Father Brian and, and maybe looking at the, the whole story of Genesis when it comes to Adam and Eve and, and the serpent who is Satan kind of coming in. Like God created this paradise in Eden and there's this evil presence there. How do we make sense of that as Christians, as Catholics, and as believers in this benevolent God? Well, I mean... Father James said uh, he created everything, which he did. He also allows everything. Um, God allows everything. So, I mean, I guess really just it's another way of, of the, the whole freedom, the freedom factor. Um, and <clears throat> I think like when you, when you restrict freedom, uh, that's not godly. That's just, it's, it's not true. I, I was at mass this morning and it was the, uh, 
what was it, uh, St. Stephen, the, uh, the martyrdom of Stephen, St. Uh, Stephen. And uh, I was kind of saying how like it was almost, uh, we're hearing these stories from the Acts of the Apostles and it's almost like deja vu. It's like, you're, wow, this sounds just like Jesus. The apostles are performing miracles just like Jesus did. The religious authorities are getting threatened and, and opposing uh, both, well, them the same way they did Jesus. And uh, I was thinking of this, I was reading about the, uh, this doctor, the doctor who kind of sounded the alarm about the virus in, in, in China. Um, apparently he, he's, he, he, wasn't, he was a, an eye doctor and he, he realized that like seven of his patients had this crazy aggressive respiratory thing going on, connected the dots. He was on a blog with his fellow, you know, his uh, peers, other doctors, word got out. He was arrested, um, and he was forced to sort of retract the just the warning, kind of the observations that he was making. And ultimately, the poor guy died of the virus itself. But like that, like it's like the Chinese government um, controlled. They tried to control, well, truth, control what this guy was saying. That's that's always corrupt. Um, so I think like now you can go back to Genesis. The, the God story, like, um, yeah, I mean, there's a desire, you know, when horrible things happen, when, when evil expresses itself, uh, you know, like most of us say, yeah, I almost wish God would jump in and in, in, in jump in front of that bullet and, uh, stop that from happening. But I, I just think it's, and, and on that end, that would be kind of like a, I guess a positive or a welcome loss of freedom and i just don't think god makes that distinction i think it's it's just god allow he creates and he allows so then what did he allow in the garden you know he allowed uh, pride to run wild um you know we know the story and then with with pride you know the sin of pride like it all went south and it kind of continues continues to this day whatever we sin it's I'm going to do what I want to do, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to be God. Um, it's the first commandment. It's the breach of the first commandment, really. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, anybody that has ever taken, hopefully, you know, a good theology class or even, even a good CCD catechist could tell you, you know, there's the seven deadly sins, but maybe the most primal, the most root sin is pride that kind of lends to all the other ones. and. And with that, we kind of see that in the Garden of Eden, um, where, you know, Satan challenges Adam and Eve that God wants to hold them down. And it's a, it's a moment of pride that they want to be like God. And then that's where they kind of sin against him by going against his law. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, what do you uh, have, let, me, let me ask you this for a second, if I can. Um, I think I have this right, but tell me what you guys think about this. Like, I don't know. I remember taking, I don't know if they were SATs or some tests that I took years ago where you had like the analogy thing. You know what those are? Like something is to something as something else is to something else, right? Yeah, right. kind of like a word association, phrase association. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, is it, is, it, is it this? Like God is to the devil as angels are to demons. So there's a... no. No, I'm gonna. Yeah, <laughs> no, because you can never compare. I mean, he's. Right, a I know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying God, the devil, is the same as God. I'm saying you've got these two forces. I'm not saying this one's the devil's more important or bigger or stronger. In fact, I say yeah. You've got these two forces, and. Uh, they influence, their influence is played out through angels and demons. Well, demons are just fallen angels, right? So an angel, oh, an angel. All right, you good angels, bad angels. I'm sorry, cut you off. Like, so, yeah, so uh, like a, a demon and an angel, a, a demon is a fallen angel. Satan seems to have been wo- like one of the best angels, like kind of how we have, uh, Raphael, uh, Michelangelo, Michelangelo. No, uh, I, 
the uh, I think he was an art, he was an artist, I think. Like, yeah, who am I thinking of? Uh, Raphael. Yeah. You're mixing up the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. Who are the three? Uh, Raphael, My- Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel. My, okay, there we go. So, like, we have there's 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 distinctions of angels. The devil falls on one of the highest, if not the highest, level, and and he goes against. He leads the demons. He leads other angels astray, and they become fallen. So you can't ever say like God and him are on the same level and it's like one or the other because the devil's a creature. God's the only thing that's not a creature. I'm trying to just do a little analogy thing here. Like it's not exact. I didn't say they're the same. I didn't say they're, they're equal. I'm saying like you see them and then you see like, well, they're, yeah. uh, You know, Satan, Satan is a fallen angel. I get it. But he's like, you know, the, um, you know, the primary, the primary fallen angel, and then you've got these lesser angels. I just think getting getting into much more specifics, much more specific about what that all looks like. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think uh, I think at the root of it, you can say because I think there's. Uh, so this is a misconception, maybe. So I, I know I've had in the past, and maybe people have is. You have God, this ultimately good being, and then Satan, who is this ultimately evil being that is, you know, the equal and counterpart to God. So you have on one end, all good is God, and then on the other end, all evil is Satan. But that's not the case. Kind of, I think what you and Father James are both saying is, yes, they are kind of antagonistic forces, but at the same time, we know that Satan is a created person, right? He's a created yeah. I feel like this is vocational counseling. Like Father Brian and I have been having these arguments for 10 years now. And now we're just publicly allowing people to help counsel how we yell at one another. In front of of thousands of people. In front of thousands of people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, I I mean, unless we're going to move into the actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. uh, I mean, we can move on because (laughs) we've established the fact that you know, the devil is 100% real. Um, but Father Brian, let's let's take a second and let's talk about how the, the devil influences us, okay? Right, good, good. Um, I was gonna, good. That's a great yeah, question. So uh, but, uh, before we move into it, again, uh, we, we've started talking about it. If you have any questions out there, please put them in the comments below on Facebook, or you can text your questions into 516-908-2234. Again, text your questions to 516-908-2234. So again, Father Brian the devil tries to influence us every single day. Uh, what are the ways that he does that? You know, we went, uh, Father James and I went, who was it, James, like three three years ago, maybe this fall or, or four, I forget. <laughs> I went to, uh, on Pilgrim's yeah. Holy Land. Uh, it was great. We were the two kind of like priests for the trip. Probably, I don't know, 25, 30 people that went on it. It was great. Um, and I loved, uh, well, we all loved being around like the Sea of Galilee and you just saw like, you know, the places you know, where the miracles happened. We took this boat ride on the actual lake. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of like imagining the storm and all of that. Um, on the other side of the lake is uh, this place, which I wish James, in, in retrospect, we had, we had asked about, you know, adding to the, uh, to the tour. And it was where uh, Jesus performed an exorcism. And we know he did, uh, I, I think like, first of all, let me just interrupt myself. Like when people ask the question like, uh, is the devil real? Well, if you're saying you believe in Jesus, you can't, almost can't even ask the question about the reality of the devil. I mean, there are multiple examples in scripture in the gospels where there's direct mention of expression of evil through uh demonic demonic forces so like i think when people kind of debate that it's like what like this this there is no debate there if you're uh-huh. believing if you're believing in the jesus of the gospels anyway one of these stories is so cool it's so creepy and it's uh, anyway it, 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 the story is called the uh the the, the healing of the, the gerasene Demoniac. I think that's how you say it, right? Anyway, it's this, it's in three of the four gospels, but the details are like, it's like something out of a horror movie. They're so creepy and, and awful. It's this, Jesus uh, 
comes off, comes on shore. This is right after a couple of miracles, immediately after miracles, comes off the shore. And this guy who was possessed, uh, he's been living in the, among the dead, like in the tombs. They said they put, they, people have, he's like this, he's a monster. He sounds like a, like a complete sort of monstrous figure. They've, uh, they've put chains on him to try to contain him. He's got like almost the super, supernatural strength. Uh, they say in the middle of the night, he's howling, he's hurting himself. Like just the, the description of this poor, like wretched guy is, I think it's like maybe the most vivid, I don't know, maybe shy of the passion, vivid in, 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 in the gospels. Um, and then, and then there's, there's more to this. Well, eventually, so Jesus confronts the guy. Well, the guy really comes to Jesus first and they, they kind of have this back and forth and Jesus asks his name and the demon is speaking to him. And then there's, uh, anyway, the, 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 the demons uh, leave him and are driven into these pigs, thousands of pigs that are right there and then are driven into the sea. Anyway, I, man, I wish, I wish we had gone there. I was, uh, it was a great book uh, by uh, Father James Martin called uh, Jesus, a Pilgrimage. It's worth getting. If you're looking for kind of a, uh, he, it, it's, it's, it, he tells a story of, trip he went, spent, you know, pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And he kind of describes each chapter is like an aspect of Jesus's life based on different places they went. And it's just really very well done. He, part of it is like a journal of the trip. Part of it is theological. Part of it is spiritual. Uh, but he talks about they went to this place. And to me, this is, this is where the devil talk is relevant and matters. Um, like this poor guy was so torn apart. Like he was, his whole like person was divided and conflicted and tormented. And I think like that's, that's what the devil does. Like the devil possesses us through addiction and uh, you know, jealousy. And when we surrender to lust, and to ego and to pride, like we become, I think, possessed by those things. Like we always hear possession and we think of horror movies and I'm not diminishing all of even that. And a lot of it's crazy, but it's not all crazy. Um, but like this whole idea, I was like this idea, like, okay, so if you get these, these angel, these fallen angels, well, what do they do? They possess us by leading us to sin. And like this poor guy, this guy was, people wouldn't go near him. They were terrified of him. They were, they were avoiding him. Think of a, just examples in life where people are paralyzed by sin. Isn't it? I don't think it's that different than this incredible Yeah, I, yeah I, I, but there's just like there's levels of holiness and following, following, you know, like some people cooperate more with God than others. I think the same goes for what you're saying. So, you know, we follow, like, if you are going astray and, and, and you know, uh, some of the temptations we give into are from our, you know, from our own weakness and, and others were really uh, being actually tempted by, by these things. Um, and we, co some cooperate more with evil than others. So you get full on possessions, you know, and, and that are real and these people are possessed. But others that are, you know, just not a, it's not a bad guy. He's not a bad lady, but they're just not making the right choices and they're just going down that path. So I think it's like the same as following God, you know, like some people it's like, yeah, they're a good Catholic, you know, they go to mass like every once in a blue moon, but they're not a bad person, you know, like we do the same thing, like with Catholics and, and with, and I, don't with know, I don't know if I would draw that much of a distinction. Uh, you know, yes, demonic possession, the need for an exorcism, what happened in that got that story I just told. Yeah, that that's a, that's an objective thing. It's a it's a ritual within the church, no doubt. But I think sometimes what we do is you got that. You know, that's what we make the movies about. But like that almost never happens. And I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying it almost never happens. But you know what happens constantly? Infidelity drug addiction, uh, suicidal depression, um, envy, 
Like, you know, Sean, you mentioned seven deadly sins. Like they happen all the time. And it's like, I think those things, we should be probably as rattled by those things. They are what destroys families. Like I know way more people who, because of their drinking or because of their sinful, you know, or their addiction say, or they're just other, other sinful uh, behaviors have ruined lives. Then I know people who've been possessed, possessed by the devil. Oh, Brian, I think I think that's a great point. And you know, one of the one of the biggest tactics of the devil, besides him trying to convince us he doesn't exist, is to spread discord and disruption, right? And uh, you know, I think, like you said, we can see it on a level in the people in our own lives. We can see it on a family level. I think in society and within the church, it's huge. We can see it. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely something to touch upon. And you guys can speak to that if you'd like, but I'd also like to turn our attention. Um, so you mentioned the, the demoniac that, you know, had the demon cast out of him, uh, that spoke back to Jesus. And outside of that, there's another huge moment where Satan kind of makes an appearance in the gospels. And that's, you know, immediately after Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan river by John the Baptist, he goes into the desert for 40 days. And while he's there, he's fasting, he's praying, and he encounters Satan. And Satan offers him three temptations um, that kind of give him an alternative route away from the one that God the Father wills for him, which eventually we know leads to the cross. Um, you know, so uh, F- Father James, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to you to talk about the significance of those three. So we know that those three were turning stone into bread so they may eat. Uh, the second was throwing himself from essentially a to see if the angels will catch him and God will save him. And the third is uh, Satan offering him all of the kingdoms of the world if he will bow down to, to Satan. So, um, yeah. I don't know if, if you're able to touch upon those. Yeah, I, actually, I love, the, I love that story. I love those, uh, you know, the, the theological background behind that. Actually, speaking of visiting in the Holy Land, we actually did go there. So when we were in the Holy Land, we went to Mount Temptations and Father Brian actually rode a camel while we were there. Um, <laughs> so I just throw that out there. But did the, what, did the guide for the camel look like Sean does now with his new mustache? That's the real question <laughs> that I have. You know, I can't remember, but I just <laughs> remember uh, it was a big camel. Camels are big animals. Like they're not I, small. <laughs> I tell you what, I've never ridden a camel. I've never touched a camel. But I feel pretty confident that I could teach somebody how to ride one right now with my mustache. <laughs> I'll just put that out there, but follow James. Pass it back to you. <laughs> you know that uh, the stash does look good, man. Um, I the, those temptations are wonderful to reflect on because uh, this year, reading some commentary, I can't remember which one, but it was saying that you know the devil takes what's actually good, like turn that rock into stone. Jesus is the rock, the foundation, and he becomes the bread of life, and and he's like you know turn that into a loaf of bread, like. He, he, Jesus will become the bread of life, but he doesn't need to consume it in the desert like that. And, and so we live by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And, and Jesus will speak the words of trans, you know, tr- transubstantiation, you know, a few years later. And, and so, the, you know, the other one is like the angels are there to protect him and guide him. Yes, but he's not there to make a show. It's about humility. And then bow down and I'll give you all the world. He is the king of the world, but he's meant to rule in, uh, he's the king of the universe, I should say. Um, but he's not meant to rule the world in that, that way that the devil's offering him. So I think going on what Father Brian was saying, you know, the devil takes, takes what we are supposed to do. He, he, he gives us a taste of what's good, the things that are good and what we're, and then he just twists them a little bit. And that's what's going on with Christ, I think. Um, and he learned, I don't really understand this, but I pray it. He learned obedience, you know, like through, through, through these, his suffering. So through going through these temptations, Christ learns obedience. And, and uh, wow, they're close tricks by the devil. So we've all been there. Huh? A, pre- a preview, you know, in the, in the three areas where he, he uh, resisted temptation and where he succeeded and they're sort of the three areas where we we typically we fail you know we 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 experience the same temptation but so often we uh you know we, we surrender to it 
to that point, Father Brian, before we move on, I want to uh, maybe direct this last last question with regard to this to you. But I think that last temptation where we hear, you know, Satan offering Jesus all the kingdoms of the world um, that are under his power, if he would only bow down to him. And, um, you know, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but maybe we see this a lot uh, in the world in general when we we bend truth to fit kind of like social or political convention, right? Um, maybe we we condition the things that we know to be true or what, what the church teaches to be true uh, around what's popular at the time, as opposed to vice versa, where, you know, we, we try to condition society around what is actually truth. Um, and, and I think that's kind of maybe what Satan was tempting Jesus to there is you know, disregard what your true plan is and your true vocation is and take the easy road, you know? Um, do, do you think we see that in the church or in the world today? Or, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I guess you do, right? I mean, just look at, you know, where, where are the areas in life where we, we make gigantic promises, you know, marriage, we promise fidelity, you promise something forever and how, you know, so often we, we kind of we 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 miss the mark in those areas. Um, I was watching uh, uh, the scene uh, not too long ago. The Godfather was on that amazing scene with the uh, the baptism. It's toward I guess it's, yes, yeah, toward the end of the movie when Michael uh, puts out I guess the hit on uh, the hits on all the, the leaders of these other families, these crime uh, crime families and. He's, he's at the baptism of, of his nephew, and he's, you know, the way Francis Ford Coppola did it, it was just awesome. It's sort of this back and forth. He's, he's up there, and he's promising. Like, what's, in, what's in the baptismal promises, the vows? You know, do you reject Satan? Do you reject all his works? Do you, do you reject all his, uh, his empty promises? So the way he did it, like, one scene is he's being asked that question, and Michael Corleone is saying, yes, I reject it. And then some guy is getting, you know, whacked. One of this guy's getting killed here. And then they go back again to the to the sacrament and then more promises are being made. And then it flashes to this this sin. So it's this just this great, I think, expression of like how we, you know, division, how what the devil does is he 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 breaks us in half. He tries to, you know, divide our divide us and confuse us. So, you know, part of, you know. Part of our lie, you know, we, 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 Michael Corleone wasn't a completely awful, evil guy. You know, he, he did love his family. He, he loved his wife, but he was also a terrible person. So it's like this, we get, we end, I think, in the course of it, like, we're justifying, like, the hypocrisy was, like, awful, like, in that scene, like, of all people to, to be standing, you know, to be a godfather and to be making these promises. But how we, anyway, I think you're right. Like, I think we absolutely do. We justify sin. We rationalize our situations and our circumstances to, to do what we want. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about really, really dark stuff right now. Um, and <laughs> I think a lot of people are super depressed. But let's move on because God wouldn't have allowed the devil to exist if he didn't give us the power to be able to combat it either. So uh, we are going to talk about what we can do on a daily basis or just do in our lives uh, to counter the works of the devil. Um, I will remind everybody before we talk about this that if you have a question, um, again, if you're watching on Facebook, uh, ask your question in the comments comments below, or you can text your question to 516-908-2234. Again, that number is 516-908-2234. So Father James, I'm going to go to you. Again, we've got the power within us to to kind of fight this temptation and and do what's necessary and, um, you know, do what we can in our everyday lives to to fight the devil and and his works. Yeah, I think, I think, um, when I'm on my best spiritually, I'm recognizing that everything's a gift. So like all things are a gift from God. And so when I'm in the sense, when I have a spirit of gratitude, um, then I am cooperating with him and I'm, I'm, I'm attentive. So I think, uh, you know, the baseline would be whenever you can recognize 
if there's something that like, you know, your kid walks in the room or your husband or wife comes home from work or something like you wake up in the morning and you see a picture on your wall of a saint or the cross or something, whatever, like fill your spirit with gratitude to God for all that you have. And, and that's the baseline to, to really counter the devil, to, to give thanks for what you have. And then you start going outside yourself. So you try to be charitable and, uh, you do acts of charity, even when you don't want to, even, you know, you're, you're building spiritual muscles. Um, but I think gratitude's key in fighting the devil. Oh, hey, gratitude, you know, I've heard it said, uh, gratitude is the attitude. So, uh, that's super cliched, but I will, I will hand it to you. That's, that's an excellent, uh, piece of advice for anybody trying to counter, uh, Satan, I think. Um, no, you also have, you know, I guess it's probably a given, probably obvious, just you got the church. You have what the church offers, namely, you know, namely the sacraments. Um, you know, I think most of the time my experience is if I'm, if I'm talking to somebody who is uh, really like kind of screwing up, screwing up their life, they're going through a very tough time and, you know, they're, they're, they're lying in some aspect. They're just cheating cheating on a person, they may be cheating at work, they're uh, neglecting just like serious kind of like sacred responsibilities. Um, and somehow you connect with them. Well, they, you know, most of the time it's, it's them saying, you know, reaching out because they're realizing, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm tumbling over the cliff here. You know, I'm on the verge of going to getting fired or going to jail or losing my, my, my family or um, and so often, I mean, uh, often I'll say to them like, well, so they're, they're coming, like looking kind of for help and calling out and I'll be like, will you, have you been going to church? Um, and they're like, no, like most of the time, like they've, there's a co direct correlation, I think between like the, the, the sinful actions and their sort of distancing themselves from Christ in the sacraments. I think about it, if I, you know, you're living this significant lie in some way, whatever that is, <laughs> if you're going to church regularly and you're hearing in, you know, you're hearing and you're experiencing at mass on the weekend, uh, gospel, again, gospel truths, like how are you not going to be conflicted by the life you're living? So, very often, I think what we do is like, you know, yeah, okay, you, you separate yourself from those people or that community, which is reminding you of what you're doing that's not, that's really not so okay. Uh, now, I think the, the exceptional person is the one who says, yeah, like, that's why I'm coming here now and I, I'm acknowledging what I need. So I just think, like, yeah, if you're, if you're, in a sense, it's like the initial kind of conversation you felt like on some level, you know, again, when we say possession, we think of like, you know, the horror movies. But I mean, if, if I have been, I am being significantly influenced by sort of like sinful power and dark darkness, the quickest, the best way to, to confront that is the Eucharist. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. So... Where do we encounter Jesus most in the Eucharist? And a very close second would be uh, confession. And you know, that person needs confession. That person needs to kind of come clean with what he and she or, he or she are about, what they're doing. And you kind of marry the two, the two sacraments. So anyway, that's a big part of it. I think if you're, if you're church connected, it challenges us when, we, when we're drifting. I know, uh, I know for me, I, you know, you're a hundred percent right. You know, turning to Jesus through what the church offers in sacraments is is everything when it comes to countering the devil. Um, and I know for me, when I'm reading scripture and I hear about these guys who literally walked in the footsteps of Jesus, who still struggled with it, right? So obviously we have Judas who ultimately, you know, turned to the devil and then totally succumbed to him after he turned Jesus over, he, he took his own life. And I think that's like a biblical example of just the absolute despair that can come with not accepting the love that Jesus is offering you, even after you sin. But then on the other end, you have Peter, 
who, you know, the first time Jesus kind of revealed to him that he was planning on, you know, going to Jerusalem and dying, Peter said, no, that, that's not going to happen. And Jesus literally said to him, get behind me, Satan, because that's the route that Satan would want him to take is don't go the easy way. Don't go the hard way. Just take the easy route and be a savior for us, but don't suffer. It's wild, it, you know, John, it's, it's wild that you bring that up because I'm sure every single one of us can put ourselves in his shoes, right? Like a week from now, I'm in this situation, I'm going to be drawn to- towards temptation, but <laughs> I know it's not going to happen. It's fine. I know it's not going to happen. And then very quickly in, in, in a moment of weakness, right? All of us can succumb to sin, right? Every single one of us in that moment of weakness, even if we know. So I, I think one one point to that is avoiding right a- avoiding those um, times that that can tempt us for sure. Um, so I, I, I mean, I just wanted to piggyback off of that because that's a great point. Uh, absolutely, and and before, you know, just to just to wrap that point up, you know, we've we've Peter denying Jesus while he's being tortured and crucified, but then he turns back to Jesus, and it's kind of like the counter Judas where. You know, Judas fully could have turned back to Jesus and asked for forgiveness, and Jesus would have forgiven him if he was truly contrite. And that's that's the tragedy of Judas is that he didn't do that, and but Peter did. And what happened? He became the first pope. He became like the leader of Christian world after that, after Jesus ascended into heaven. So it's I, think, like, I think it's this. Sorry, the sacrifice. I think it's something about um, also the power of community, like. Uh, Judas went solo, uh, and we, like you just said, we know, you know, uh, horrible story became incredibly horrible. Look at Thomas, you know, Thomas was as guilty as the rest of them. Um, but he managed to make his way back to the community and in the course of that encountered Jesus healing happens. And like you said about Peter, these guys, these sinners become saints. I mean, that's, that's all of us. That's all of us. So it's just the, you know, the power of being around people who think like you, um, you know, part of that is, 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 is certainly a parish community. I think, I think it also should challenge us for like the company we keep. Who, who do I hang out with? Like, am I, am, do my friends, uh, you know, do they, do they make me a better person or not? You know, do our value, do my values, uh, are they affirmed by my friends or are they sort of like torn apart by my friends or the people I work with and community is just huge. It's so important. So, I, I mean, I know that you mentioned father before the, the best way that we could counter Jesus is the sacraments. And, and I would hundred percent agree with you. Uh, but right now, <laughs> ironically, and we went 42 minutes without bringing up uh, the coronavirus or the pandemic. So I applaud us all for that in these oh. times for sure. Uh, but right now, the two sacraments that you named the Eucharist, and confession are not readily available to us. Um, so, I mean, Father James, I, I'm going to go to you for a second, right? If, if those two sacraments aren't available to us, and we also mentioned earlier that the devil tends to pray on the weak, and right now I think we're all pretty weak and pretty vulnerable. Uh, I mean, with those two sacrament, sacraments not available to us, I mean, what are ways in, in the next couple of weeks or months or however long this takes, what are ways that we can fight temptation on an everyday basis now, Father James? Yeah, well, the the God cannot be confined to his sacraments. His sacraments are the most powerful way we can encounter him, but he's not limited to them. And the catechism of the church is really clear on that. So, you know, we uh, if you're at home and you feel like you're um, not in the state of grace, you know, the Pope and, and a lot, many of the theologians have assured us, if you make a sincere act of contrition, if you, you reflect on your sins, make a sincere act of contrition, pray, pray the act of contrition, give yourself a penance, and, and then go to confession the next possible time that you can, you're okay. Like, you're, you're going to be okay. And, and the church is telling you that in terms of Christ, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am present among you. And so, Lorenz, you know, I've been pushing for families, you know, not to necessarily watch all the, the live stream masses. Like, but what if you got the readings for the day, split them up, you know, gave a homily, like somebody gave a reflection in the house and, and 
when you're gathering in the midst, like two or three in my name, there I am present among you. It, it's not the Eucharist. I'm not saying it's, you know, but he's present. And so it just shows you how weak the devil really is. It just shows you how weak the devil really is, is that the sacraments are the best way, but even he can be conquered uh, outside of that. And so if you are missing the sacraments, unite yourself to Christ and, and, and you're okay. You're going to be okay. You know, we got a, this uh, letter, uh, an email, uh, our uh, religious ed faith formation office. Uh, we put out some really good stuff for uh, all the groups, you know, all the ages, the, the little kids and you know, elementary and, and the middle schoolers. And uh, our, our DREs have been uh, kind of just reaching out to the kids, um, kind of offering them different things to, to resources, videos more than anything to check out this video and maybe they'll have like a question or two or three afterwards. You know, there's no, we can't, we can't mandate it, but we can't force them to do it. But uh, we're just sort of at least saying, hey, these are things to do in this time when we don't have class and we don't have mass. Um, but like we've gotten some great, great feedback. Like there's one mom, I guess last week, uh, Jerry McKay sent out uh, this really cool uh, you know, kind of kids cartoon video of the road to Emmaus, I think. Yeah, it would have been. That was the gospel, right? And uh, anyway, so she sent it to them. She gets this email back from mom just thanking her for it and then saying, yeah, we had this little conversation at the, at the kitchen table about the road to Emmaus and kind of what that meant. And she was grateful for it and was like, you know, keep sending this stuff. You know, before this, before this virus thing, arguably that conversation wasn't happening at the kitchen table in the home of that family. So... Yeah, you're, James is right. Like it's you know obviously the sacraments are, are primary and mass is the the most important. But God God transcends all of everything. So maybe that conversation at that kitchen table was was a great alternative uh, in this in this crazy time. Anyway, for sure, really good things happening while we can't receive the really great things that we normally have. There's still a lot of grace. I mean, great pieces of advice from both of you. Um, I, I love it. I it, during these times, I mean, there's no better time in the state of technology that we have to be sheltered in home, uh, sheltered in place. Uh, when we are able to FaceTime, Zoom with people, right? Um, I see a lot of the comments, prayer, 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 for sure. Uh, 100% agree with that. Praying the rosary, extremely important. Um, on a page that, an Instagram page that Sean and I run together, just a parishioner, uh, we pray the rosary every Wednesday evening at 8.30. Um, you know, some people tune in and, and we pray together. So um, you, you mix prayer with what we talked about before, community right? During, with the technology that we have now, just because we're not able to physically be with each other, um, it shouldn't diminish our sense of community. So um, I, I love the pieces of advice that you guys gave. Um, but we've got a, a couple of questions out there that we want to transition into. Um, last second, uh, last chance to get your questions in. Again, you can ask your question in the comments below on Facebook, uh, or you can text your question to 516-908-2234. Uh, I'm going to reiterate something that I said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you text your question in and, and let us know that uh, you want to be anonymous, and, and most of it, most of them are because a lot of you don't sign your names. We will we'll keep them anonymous if you text your question in. So again, you could text your question to 516-908-2234. Um, Sean, what questions do we have there uh, on the topic for tonight? We have a few really great questions. Um, the first one I want to preface with uh, a couple points. So we know that in Genesis, after Adam and Eve fall, and God kind of reprimands them. We hear that the, the serpent is eventually going to be crushed by a woman. And then, so that's the first book of the Bible. And then in Revelation, we hear about like this queen kind of coming in to, to fight the dragon that represents Satan. So we know that there's a woman on both ends of the Bible there that's, that's coming to kind of put Satan down. Um, and that goes along with one of the questions that we got here that is, what is the significance of Mary when it comes to helping fight the devil in your own life? And, and that kind of spiritual warfare that comes along with that. Um, maybe, Father James, if you want to take a crack at that one first. 
I mean, uh, I'm sure people have seen it before. I'm just pulling it up. I, I have a computer on me just in case you guys try to stump me. But if you could probably see it, I mean, Mary is always depicted as stepping on the, the a snake. And so she becomes the new, Mary really becomes the new Eve and and she, she squashes the head of the serpent. So, you know, mankind's no to God. Mary says yes to God. And so, yeah, I mean, like, how could she not but help us to cooperate? Uh, she who is full of grace, who, yeah, I mean, she's just the best when it comes to that, I think. That's a great question. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, do you have anything to add to that or no? No, that was real good. I hate to hate to throw him a compliment, but it was actually that was pretty good. It was pretty pretty quick with the uh, flipping flipping around the, the excellent excellent. I think uh, maybe we can move on to a second question that still has to do with uh, the devil in a way, but it's the question is how do we how can we imitate Jesus and Mary in that way and and trying to just just love other people even when they themselves seem to and not to be cruel, but seem to almost personify the devil, whether they're, you know, negative or angry or hateful constantly. How do you handle people like that in a loving Christ-like way? Father Brian, if you want to take that one. I don't know, you know, I, I, I find myself a lot, you know, if I'm maybe talking to somebody, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with someone and they're telling me about their struggle with another person. Maybe it's a, uh, an in-law or, uh, you know, their boss at work or whomever. Um, and they're, they're sort of describing why, how just how miserable they are and how impossible they are. And this person kind of wants to write them off and has really given them maybe a bunch of, a bunch of attempts here, you know, kind of redemption. And they just, they're kind of flicking it away. You know, a lot of times I, I find myself, I'll, I'll say, well, do you know anything about um, his his father, or you know her father or her mother or whomever? Like the people who do you know anything about like what their family life was like when they grew up? Um, and a lot of times they do. Like a lot of th- this person that they can't stand, often they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, his father was a was worse than him. He was a nut." Um, so, I, I, and, and usually at that point, like I almost, you know, a lot of times you don't even have to say too much more, but the, the point is like, I mean, look at where they came from. Like, look at what their experience was. Um, look, look at what the influence, who, who the influences were in their lives. And I think it's easy to like jump back into these, like this language of like evil. He's evil or she's evil. Well, they're they're influenced by evil, but like um, I think that's almost like a subtle way of saying like they're evil. So I don't even have to I don't even have to deal with them anymore. Like it's um, it's my get out of jail free card. Like I'm done with them, and like, I don't think so. Like aren't we often as you know as as good as our teachers? And if you had people who had uh, the most influential people, if the most influential people in your life really weren't good people. Well, I, you know, isn't it kind of logical that this person's going to be limited in, in ways? But I just think when you, you kind of humanize it a little bit, it helps. It kind, of, it kind of slows us down and kind of, I think we get back in the fight, the fight of like, all right, I got I to gotta work on this. I got to try and be more forgiving. I got to be trying more understanding. I know that uh, C.S. Lewis talks about everybody's created by God and everybody's created with certain stuff. And some people might start off better than other people. And it's easy, you know, and this isn't the case with everybody. Sometimes you just have really hateful people in your lives, but sometimes maybe you started off in a better spot than some other people did kind of like what you're saying. And it's easy to look at other people who are hateful and be like, why, why are you like that? I'm not like that. And you have no reason to be like that. But where they're coming from and you don't know what their starting point is. So right. And and at the end of the day, God's not judging you compared to anybody else. He's judging you based on what he created you 
as and what he created you with and what you do with it. So I think that for me, that's something I always look back at when those kind of people come into my life is I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to judge too harshly because I have no clue where they're coming from. And the only thing I know is what I have and what God gifted me with. And I need to be able to use that in the most Christ-like way possible. And, you know, even if the other person is bothering me. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful, but that's oh, the- it's totally helpful. It's totally helpful. I'm thinking about this. Uh, I did this high school retreat years ago when I was at St. Anthony's. We were out in Shelter Island and I was giving this talk about on some level, it was about God and the way God is. And I was kind of trying to use these analogies. And I talked about when I was a kid, uh, being in the pool with my father and I was, I knew how to swim, but I was, uh, well, whatever. I wasn't a great swimmer and we were in this deep way over, you know, over my head. And my father was the other, the other side of the pool, basically. And, uh, I remember him, I was saying how my father just kept saying, you know how to do this. Like, you know how to swim. The fact that the it's over your head, it's no different than three feet or 12 feet. You know how to swim. And he was like, I'm at the other end, just kind of come to me. And if you start to sink, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And, and, and just kind of in the midst of swimming, kind of, if you're able to see, you'll see me there. Anyway, I thought that was like a cool image, a cool kind of concept of the way God is. He's not going to let us sink. Anyway, I gave it. And I think for most, most of the kids that were there, I think it was like, yeah, okay, cool. That sounds good. Well, this one kid afterwards said to me, uh, he t- talked about his dad and how his dad walked out on his entire family, his mom and, and them, and pretty much disappeared. So he was sort of like, he was a senior and he was pretty articulate and he wasn't, he wasn't rude or anything. He was just like telling me, he was like, you know what? Nice analogy, Father, but it doesn't, doesn't cut it for me because, so anyway, like my, my thing was like, to me, that was a natural thing, being able to say, yeah, your dad, sort of like an image of, of God. Um, and, and I'm lucky that I had that. But this kid didn't have it. So like for this kid to have, have like, say like trust issues, like, can you blame him? The mo- the, one or, one or the, the, the first or, you know, the, the most important person in this kid's life walked away. And now you're talking about a, a God like if my, my dad won't even stick around, you're telling me that I'm supposed to believe that God is going to be there. So it was very, I mean, I really appreciated this kid's honesty, but I think you're, that's a great point. It's like those who've been had more, everybody doesn't have the same experience. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. One last question I'm going to ask to father, father James here. And um, I know we really could spend a full hour talking about this alone, but uh, it's a question that was asked last time after we talked a little bit more about the afterlife specifically, and it has to do with purgatory. Um, maybe if you could give like a sub five minute briefer on what is purgatory, what is the, you know, why do we believe it exists? I don't know, whatever you think is pertinent to that. Uh, it'll be, it'll be a teaser to our purgatory episode, Father James. Oh yeah. If there's a <laughs> teaser, I feel like, I'm not going to say anything. I'll, I'll leave you hanging. I'll leave you hanging. You, you got to want to go back. with the trailer. Let's go with the trailer. The purgatory episode. Purgatory. I mean, the pur- all right. The trailer for the purgatory episode. I mean, I don't want to give my best stuff now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, purgatory is real. And if you get there, you're going to experience the most beautiful feeling you've ever felt in your life. And the most challenging, difficult, painful you've ever felt in your life. And, uh, but you'll, you know, you're going to heaven and I'll leave it at that. I, I might, I might add just before we wrap up, I think just to, just to go off that with regard to our current topic, one of the, you know, Satan always wants you to take the easy road and it's, it's never worth taking. We all know that if something is worth doing, then it's worth suffering for, right? You know, if you want to get good at something, you have to work your butt off for it. And that's kind of where purgatory is. So uh, maybe that's, I think that's the best trailer to leave it with there, Father James. Good job there. Leave them, leave them hanging. Leave them on more. <laughs> that's it. Um, I mean, it's not a participation trophy, no way. But if it's a bronze medal, that that's a bronze medal that I will wear very proudly, Purgatory, <laughs> for sure. 
<laughs> um, everybody, thank you so much for, uh, uh, for asking those questions. I think they were great. Um, down below, if you're watching on Facebook, uh, again, we're, you can share the podcast so people can watch even if they haven't been watching live. Um, so if you like tonight's episode, please feel free to share the podcast. Um, also, uh, don't forget to tune in uh, to other things like uh, daily masses, uh, holy hours, night watch that we have going on down here at Beach Catholic. Uh, you can check that out on beachcatholic.com slash TV, or you can check it out on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash St. Mary of the Isle. Um, but as always, every single week, uh, we're going to jump into final words. Um, so get on the topic tonight, Sean, what are your final words to leave everybody off with tonight? Yeah, just before signing off, three weapons against Satan. Number one, call on the holy name of Jesus. There's a, an incredible amount of power in the name of Jesus. So when you're being tempted, just call on Jesus. Um, number two, the blood of Christ is is what washes away all our sins. So you know, don't be don't be afraid to invoke that specifically. And, and number three, yeah, we talked about Mary, and we made we brought up some matter, but. Yeah, the, the rosary or any kind of Marian prayer. She like Mary is the best among us humans, and she was the first one to say yes to allow Jesus to come into the world and save us. So, that, you know, ask her for her intercession. She's she's out there to save us. Awesome, Sean. Uh, Father James, again, back-to-back -back weeks. We're really uh, making you work yeah. for it. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll see you again next week. Maybe another week. But uh, uh, your final words on the topic for tonight, Father James. I think it's always good to have images in your house. I like I have a cross on my neck. Um, I usually keep my rosary beads in my pocket. I, yeah, something, uh, some kind of physical thing that that Sean was just talking about to grab onto, um, to keep them present, to be able to see them, hold them, pray with them. That helps me a lot. So, absolutely. And Father Brian, uh, your final words on the topic for tonight. Actually, can I uh, can I maybe make just an announcement or two instead? Oh, of course. Um, just uh, one or two things that are that are coming up. Actually, tomorrow we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing these house blessings. Uh, we I put word out on Monday and uh, got a real good response to that. So thanks to those who are um, who are interested in having their homes blessed. Uh, we'll be doing that kind of you know certainly from a distance um, tomorrow. And I know uh, more people are interested. We didn't have enough we didn't have enough time tomorrow to do it, but uh, we'll be we'll be very soon getting another day in. So we look out for that if, if you didn't make the first cut. Uh, the other thing is, um, this is a very new thing that we're going to be adding uh, this Friday night. We're going to be doing what we're calling a, a beach Catholic happy hour. Um, and what it's going to be is I'm probably going to screw this ex, ex description up, but uh, you know, the way we're doing this kind of like the zoom thing, we're going to, uh, I think you can have like 90 people at a time, be on Zoom. Is that right? Uh, somebody told me that today. So what we're going to do is uh, uh, allow people or invite people if they want on Friday night to uh, kind of plug into that. And it's going to be sort of, sort of a more casual, um, you know, um, night watch is a little bit more kind of like prayer driven. We're in the church um, where this is, uh, you know, calling it a happy hour. So, the, you know, it's a Friday night. The thought is, uh, you know, if you want, have a have a cocktail or have a, whatever you want to have a drink, whether it's whatever it is, but um, would allow people to just sort of be part of, of a community with a conversation. I'll kind of like lead it, but lead it real casually. It's not going to be like just sitting around listening to me the whole time. Uh, we'll have like a, a topic and I'll, uh, I'll give like a two, three minute thing, throw it out and then allow people, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, lots of people, hopefully to kind of kind of respond, we'll go back and forth and, uh, you know, be kind of faith centered, but also cat very, like I keep saying casual. So it's not going to be like, you know, super hardcore, serious stuff. So if you're interested in that, um, we'll be, we'll be advertising it the next day or two, but that's Friday night, uh, the beach Catholic happy hour. So thanks. That's awesome. I am uh, three days ahead of you, father Brian. So that's great. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I'll say about the, uh, that happy hour, uh, I might be speaking out of turn here, but it's BYOB. Father Brian is not going to be sending you any alcohol through the mail, uh, for that happy hour. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> uh, the second thing is I know a lot of you guys are watching, uh, remotely. Um, so if you're in a different diocese, if you're in a, uh, at a different parish, 
and Father Brian makes any of these local announcements, but you think it's a great idea, now is the perfect time to reach out uh, to your parish and say, hey, listen, I heard down in Long Beach that uh, they're doing something like this. Is there any way that we might be able to get it going? Maybe they haven't thought of it, but definitely reach out, make that effort and reach out to your parish about things that you hear on this podcast. Um, Finally, uh, my final thoughts on this are, uh, again, talking about sin, talking about the devil. Um, It's a piece of advice within our faith or not, but a lot of a lot of our uh, a lot of our sin is revolved around selfishness. So if you think about that, and you think about uh, ways that you can be more generous with your resources, whether that uh, generosity is with your uh, money, whether that generosity is with your time, uh, whether it's just out of love, uh, try to be. Um, you know, be more conscious and be less selfless. And I think you'll be less inclined to sin at that point. So those are my final thoughts. Um, thanks, Father James. Uh, thank so, you, So again, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Father James. Thank you, Father Brian. And of course, thank you to Joe, our producer, the, the, the man behind the screen who uh, a lot of you don't get to see on a weekly basis, but thanks for all that you guys do. And uh, let's close out on a prayer, Father Brian. Actually, no, well, you know what? I'm going to cut you off, Father Brian. I'll let, I'll let you offer this week. Let's end with a prayer, Father James. How about that? Yeah, sure. Let's, uh, we could just pray uh, the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits which prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come down upon us and remain with us forever. Amen. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. On behalf of everybody here and each Catholic, God bless.